0: visit AscentEquityGroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T EquityGroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. Everyone knows what it is.
1: Everyone knows, including me, you know, it gets the general gist of, a, hey, I you know, get out, meet people and everything else. But the extent to which you not only get out, join a local RIA, meet with people there, build your network, but also potentially get out in front and be the face of a market or be the face of a niche within your market.
2: Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try Smartmove Tenant Screening for 25% off. Here's how Smartmove can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with Smartmove's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening, which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non payment risk with Smartmove's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to TenantScreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Jamie Gruber, how you doing, Jamie?
1: I'm doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me. Well,
2: I'm glad to hear it. And it's my pleasure. A little bit about Jamie. He's a real estate investor and he has 21 units with 22 under contract recently created a fund to take on capital and scale his business with his business partner based in near Ann Arbor, Michigan. With that being said, Jamie, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus?
1: Sure. Yes. I'm a native New Yorker. Grew up there, bought my first property there. 2005-ish made a mistake that I think a lot of people made back then in going zero down. So 20% down with one loan, the rest was under another loan. And when I moved a few years later, right around 08, actually, to Boston with my job, I couldn't sell that house. And I still own it to this day. So for a lot of years, that house was a burden to me. I always looked at it like, man, if I can just get rid of it, I feel so much better. Even though I was renting it, making a little bit of money on it, it just felt more like an albatross than an investment. A few years later, I reread Rich Dad, which I know is central to a lot of investors' career. At the same time, my wife and I bought a house in the Boston area that we ended up house hacking and kind of flipping long-term flip and made some decent money on that, but really decided that I was going to take that single family and change my mindset around it from sort of detriment to asset. We restructured the debt on it. We did some things to make it a little bit more professional as far as how we managed it. And we went from there. Shortly after, we decided to buy a couple of duplexes in that same area in New York. So we're living in Boston. We bought these two duplexes remotely, both distressed. We fixed them up. We're in the process of refinancing them. But then as time went on, I'm a W-2 employee, have been for a long time. I like what I do, but realized that the long game of a 401k isn't as sexy to me. So buying properties two doors at a time is great, but takes a long time. So I made the decision that multifamily was for me got myself educated. And when I moved to Michigan with my job a couple of years later, which is where I am now, got with a partner, started looking at deals. We picked up a 16 unit late last year, and we're now under contract with a 22 unit. That is our focus. That first property we purchased with our own money and with partners. The second property we're purchasing with partners as well, but we're we're funding it with other people's money. And moving forward, our focus is to find some larger deals and syndicate
2: hmm Tell us about the 16-unit deal. Purchase price, business plan, that sort of stuff.
1: Sure. We picked it up. It's in a small town outside of Ann Arbor, kind of a bedroom community. We picked it up for $755,000, about forty-seven dollars a door at a seven cap. The NOI was like 51000 at that point or when we purchased it. And the owner was kind of your standard mom and pop. They owned it for a lot of years. Older couple, unfortunately, their health was failing. We found the deal off market through who now are our partners on the deal And we realized that rents are severely suppressed, like leases from 1999, where rent was never increased or increased very little, more than one. And others were 2008, 2007, 2012, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So lots of upside on rent. We came, I think, at $578 a door in rent. We projected to get to a little over $700 a door in rent. And actually, we're learning it's a very small town. We're pretty much the market. <laughs> There's really not a lot of multifamily in that town. And we're learning that even our anticipated rent is lower than what the market would allow for. So we're starting now with a couple of unit turns to really pump rents up to even more than we thought. Uh, we also have a plan for pets plan for storage, those fees coming in. There was no reported laundry income. So all of that on the income side. And we have some expense management strategies we have in place to increase the NOI to about $85,000, $86,000, which would put us at about a $1.2, $1.3 million valuation.
2: Wow. That's phenomenal. A very thought out plan. You said you projected to be 700 and looks like you can push a little bit more. What do you think you can push to?
1: I think on average we can get rents up to probably 750, 775, if not more. When it's fully turned over, if current residents leave, it'll be over 800. But I'm anticipating our current residents who we've moved their rents up, not to full market, but pushed it as much as we felt we could without turning the entire building over. As we kind of incrementally increase those folks, it'll get into the high sevens. But if we turn units in time, then we can be easily into the 800s.
2: And it doesn't sound like you're doing major renovations in the units to upgrade them. Is that accurate?
1: It depends. Some of the units are in really good shape. The biggest issue, honestly, is that this was a big time smoker building or the two buildings, big smokers. So a unit we just turned, you take the magnets off the refrigerators and you can see the original color kind of thing. So we've had to do some, I wouldn't call it major renovations, but probably 5,000 a door or so we put in new kitchens or painted, sometimes kitchens, painted cabinets. Same thing with the bathrooms. We haven't had a gut of bathroom yet, but paint the vanity or maybe replace the vanity, replace a toilet, clean up the tile, that kind of thing. So 5,000-ish a door is what we put into it. And we've learned a lot because there's some sweat equity in there as well. That we didn't anticipate certain costs, Likewise. just really cost of labor. We were probably under on cost of labor what we okay. anticipated going in.
2: And what about it being under on cost of labor? Just what aspect of the estimate was a little bit off?
1: A couple of things. One, the cost of just handyman services guys to come in and just help us lay down flooring, help us do some paint work or whatever. It was probably more in the $50, 65 an hour range where we were anticipating and maybe just didn't do it. enough deep diving into it to learn that it's really, we thought it was 25 was going to be a good price, but we're learning that it's significantly more to get a good handyman. So that's one. The cost of a painter was a lot more than we expected based on, feedback we got from other investors. And I'm sure we'll find more apartment-friendly investors in the future. And then some of the condition of some of the cabinetry we thought was better than it was. But when we got into it and you started really moving things around underneath where you're thinking you're going to move a shelf and paint this cabinet, the shelf would crumble or the structure of the cabinetry would crumble. Those sorts of things were things that we maybe didn't anticipate as well.
2: Regarding the painter, what did you think it would cost and what is it actually
1: costing? So it's costing now about $1,500 to paint a unit. We were expecting half or less of that.
2: And how large are the units?
1: They're about 700 square feet.
2: With the expense management strategies you mentioned that you're employing, what are some examples of
1: that? A good example is when we bought the property, there's a dumpster. So we have an account with a local waste management company. And one of my partners called that company right away saying, Hey, our our price is high. I honestly can't remember exactly how much it was, but price feels a little bit high. Was there anything we can do to negotiate this? And they said, yeah, well, the prior owner just never called us. So we kept raising it and they never called us. And they literally slashed the cost of of our dumpster in half, if you will. So that was one big one. Other expense management stuff was... There's hard water in the building and there's some faucets, toilets, things like that that are literally running all day. Like some of the toilets were running all day. So we went through and changed some of those fixtures to mitigate our water bill and we're starting to see that build in a little bit now. Mm -hmm.
2: What type of financing do you have on this property?
1: We have a credit union uh, that financed it for us. We got 80-20 loan to value. It's about a $600,000 loan. It's a 20-year amortization, a five-year term, 6% interest and no prepayment penalty. Recourse? It is recourse. Yep. And our goal is to get it to the price point where we can refi into non-recourse.
2: Okay. And if it is at the, you say 1.1 million, that's what it will be with the new NOI?
1: One, two to one,
2: 1.3. One, 1.2 to one, three. Is that the range that you could then get non-recourse once it breaks the million dollar mark? We've
1: learned, yeah, correct. Yep. Yeah, well, about one two four or higher, we should be locked down, but even at 1.2, we should be good to get non-recourse.
2: You mentioned that you found this property from people who are now partners in the deal. It was off market. Can you tell the story?
1: Absolutely. So my partner and I, when we got together about a year ago now and started really looking at multifamily property and and going about putting together a business plan, socializing that plan to brokers, to property managers, to all of these different groups, and just trying to kind of build our team and build our credibility in the market. We had great interactions with brokers but then we weren't a priority for brokers, which I completely understand. So I would say, Hey, here's our criteria. The broker would say, wow, this is great. You guys have a really (laughs) clear plan. It's excellent. And then they would send us something that was nowhere near the criteria (laughs) that we had outlined. So we were getting a little bit like, all right, well, if we're not going to get it through brokers, how else can we? Uh, And we decided to start a, a meetup group. So we found a conference room at an insurance office, put it out on meetup, created a Facebook group, And just sort of, hey, who wants to come talk about multifamily? Got about 10 people or so that first month. Had a loose agenda. We did it again the second month. Had about 15 people. And we built it since then. In fact, now we have seven markets with the brand that we have. It's called Multifamily and More of Meetup. So we have a meetup locally here in Michigan. It's got over 500 members in the Facebook group. And then we've got about another 500 members combined in other groups across the country. So it's been great. But in that meetup, I think it was the second or third one, a couple of husband and wife, came to us and say, Hey, we've got this deal. It's actually an eight unit building, but the owner has 16 total units. We're looking just to kind of partner up to close on this thing. We got to know them a little bit, talk through what our strategies were, what our goals were, so on and so forth. And from that interaction where they brought us this deal and we were able to close on it.
2: How many people attend your meetup to this day? Yeah.
1: Somewhere between 40 and 50. Okay. We do a virtual meetup once a month as well, which we get about 100 registrants and probably about 70 to 80 people uh, attending that where I have a guest come on, somebody of national prominence typically, and do like a webinar, if you will, like the second Wednesday of, of the month. And that goes into all of the communities for them to view and participate and ask questions.
2: And how did you structure the general partnership with that couple on this so, field?
1: So we are 25% a piece. There's four of us in it, me and my partner, And then the two of them were 25% a piece, all in. That's the gist of it. Any other specific?
2: No, that makes sense. Joint venture partnership, everyone owns a quarter.
1: Correct. All brought the same amount of money in and and we just split it four ways.
2: That is crystal clear. (laughs) Very straightforward. What about this 22 unit that you have under contract? How do you structure the general partnership for that?
1: We've got four partners again in this deal, me and my partner, the gentleman who brought the deal to us, sort of a boots on the ground guy. So we split this up a little bit differently because we're raising capital and there's different roles here. So the guy that's on the ground who will oversee management, who's really doing the due diligence, he's getting 32% of that property and the rest of us are splitting the balance. I think me and my partner get 16% each and the balance goes to the guy who found the property and is also bringing money to the deal.
2: And how was that property found?
1: Through my meetup here. We have a Cleveland-based version of the meetup as well. And through that, this gentleman brought the deal to us.
2: Is it in Cleveland? It is. Ah, the plot thickens. Okay. (laughs) So you've got the 16 unit in a bedroom community outside of Ann Arbor, if I heard you correctly. You got it. And now you've got a 22 unit under contract in Cleveland. How far is Ann Arbor from Cleveland? At least what, three hour drive?
1: About about that, two and a half, three hours apart. About
2: three hour drive. How do you plan on doing the management for that?
1: So we'll have a professional manager for Cleveland. And again, the big part for us was one of our partners who actually runs the Cleveland meetup group that we created. uh, And I'm in a mastermind with, so I know the guy fairly well. He's the boots on the ground. So that's why he's getting a larger chunk of the equity in this property. He'll be the one to really be there, see it visibly, manage the manager and all of that. So we needed somebody local to participate in this.
2: Okay. You got the 16 unit last year. When do you close on the 22 unit?
1: Good question. We're <laughs> under contract, but this is very mom and pop. We're struggling to even know if the price is good because he wanted an LOI. We gave him one with what we had at the time, which wasn't much. And we're sort of clawing things out of him here and there. I mean, he's got three properties. All of them are mixed together. From a bank statement perspective, he just gets cash- from all three groups of tenants and just puts a lot of money into the bank. So it's hard to know what economic occupancy is versus actual and the leases are all over the place. I think the guy in Cleveland, our partner in this even said he was brought copies of the leases and then asked by the owner if he could have those copies back because he can't find the originals. So it's uh, <laughs> it's been fun. It's been fun.
2: That sounds about right for a 22 <laughs> unit. It was one of the scenarios where you make an offer and then we'll show you what the property is actually worth.
1: You got it. To go over terms on that, honestly, they're not even in my head doesn't, right now because we matter. all yeah. the data, right, exactly. Right,
2: right. And obviously in that deal, you're not going non-refundable day one. Correct. How much money do you invest in due diligence of a project like that, knowing that it can take a left turn very quickly based on the lack of information that you have.
1: At this point, the way we structured the LOI, I don't know if this is right or the best way to do it, but what we did, and I think it's fairly standard, but we were making sure of is we've got our EMD. So $10,000 is our EMD on that. And we've got an exhaustive list of Earned financial mine, due diligence.
2: Earn, earnest earnest money deposit just so correct
1: i'm sorry understand. earnest money yep we've got an exhaustive list of financial due diligence that we're requesting from the seller and he hasn't even given us all of that yet so until we have all of that and we even told him up front we don't know if we can go in with this price we really don't we'll give you this price but we don't know if we're gonna have to retrade you we don't want to do that if we don't have to but we don't know if we will have to so once we get through the financial due diligence really only then will we start based on the LOI, the physical due diligence, which will start to cost us some money.
2: Okay. You are under contract
1: though. We're under contract. The LOI has been accepted. The contract is signed. We have a purchase and sale agreement signed.
2: Okay. And with the due diligence of it, it sounds like you haven't walked any units. It's just gathering all the paperwork right now. Is that correct?
1: My partner walked a few units up front. They did allow us to kind of get in once we submitted an LOI and they accepted that. So prior to the actual contract, we did walk it after the LOI. And from what he reported, the units that they did show us, they were in decent shape. Could use some upgrades, but overall in decent shape.
2: Do you know how they found this property?
1: I actually don't.
2: (laughs) I'm just curious. Yeah. So you've got clearly a focus on these 15 to probably 50 unit properties. Is that where you want to continue and build the portfolio through these types of properties? Or are you looking to change it up after you purchase a couple of them? Yeah, we'd like
1: to kind of start small and expand. So we were looking at a 32 unit recently, that sort of thing. But at some point, we want to get into the larger 100 plus deals. So we have this mantra, my primary partner and I have 505. That's our 500 units in five years, even have a hashtag that we text each other every so often. (laughs) But um, I like it. So yeah, we want to scale up, take the experiences from one, apply it to the next. We're making plenty of good mistakes on the property we own now, the 16 unit. I've made plenty of mistakes on my small single family portfolio. And we plan to just sort of leverage those and continue to scale up.
2: I'm going to go all over the map and all the way back to what you said earlier, the 2005 property you bought in New York, $0 down that you still own today. Where in New York is it?
1: It's a town called Elmira. It's a little town right on the Pennsylvania border, I would say directly south of Rochester, a little southeast of Rochester, New York.
2: And is that the only home you own in Elmira?
1: In Elmira, yes.
2: Do you own homes in the nearby area of Elmira?
1: About an hour and a half east of that, where my family lives, where I grew up for the most part, is where I own two duplexes.
2: And how much did you purchase that Elmira house for?
1: Back in 2005, it was 140000
2: And what would it go for today if you sold it? Uh,
1: maybe 120000
2: One hundred and twenty. And what's it rent for?
1: About 1200 a month.
2: Okay. So it's breaking even slash you might be making. You uh, got it. Yeah. Spot like- on. It's
1: not killing me. It's not doing anything for me either. It's just sort of there. My wife is a real estate professional by designation. So we take the passive losses and move on.
2: Okay. Who manages that?
1: My wife does pretty much. Remotely. Remotely. Yeah. She has some contractors and people on the ground there that she'll leverage, but she manages it remotely.
2: Okay. Got it. Based on your experience as a real estate investor, what's your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: Networking is I think an underrated, understated imperative when it comes to investing. Everyone knows what it is. Everyone knows, including me, you know, i gets the general gist of hey, you know, get out, meet people and everything else, but the extent to which you not only get out, join a local RIA meet with people there, build your network, but also potentially get out in front and be the face of a market or be the face of a niche within your market. I've had multiple deals sent my way. I've had capital offered to me to invest simply because I put myself out there in front of 50 people a month at a meetup locally and a hundred people a month on a webinar with the idea of giving value. So you go out, you network, give as much value as you possibly can and Without expecting it, I guess, to this extent, I see the return on that, even though it's not primarily why I do it. I really enjoy it. But networking is key, I would say, is my best advice.
2: Yeah, completely agree. And anyone can put together those meetups and most people don't. And I can tell you, I've seen both sides of it because I have a monthly meetup in Cincinnati. I've had it for probably about four years, eh, maybe three years. Mm-hmm. And then one of my good friends, he's also a passive investor with me, he started an, an investor meetup, non-real estate specific, just an investor meetup where local entrepreneurs who want to start their business, they come present and we as investors decide if we want to invest in their idea or not. And I can tell you that as an attendee of a meetup, it's amazing because yeah. someone else coordinates it all. I just show up five minutes before, I'm relaxed, I hang out, I talk, I listen to the presenter and I leave when I want. It's just wonderful. And putting one together, it's a lot more work. If you have a team, then it's much better, but there is a lot of value that's created through creating that meetup. But that person, my friend who puts together that one meetup that I attend, he gets value too from it. So everybody's benefiting. And in your case, holy cow, The two largest deals, those are the two largest deals, right? The the 22 came from your connection. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm glad that that was your best ever advice. Absolutely. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. First a quick word from our best ever partners. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for twenty five percent off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com, that's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to one learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. All right. Best ever book you've recently read?
1: Outwitting the Devil, Napoleon Hill.
2: Ah, yeah. With Sharon wrote that. Correct. Too, yeah.
1: Great book. I think it's the foundation for thinking grow rich and it just, wow, it got my mind racing. So great book. <gasps>
2: That is a very polarizing book because I did not like it at all, but it was highly recommended to me by people who swear by it. So I believe you'll either love it or you'll be like, ah, eh, not for me at all. So Outwitting the Devil, that's yours. I'll
1: be honest. The first third of it was slow. Yeah. I don't know how much I want to stick with it, but enough people recommended it. By the time I finished it, I really loved it. But huh. yeah, I, I could see how you wouldn't like it, to be honest yeah. with
2: you. All right. You know, to each his own. <laughs> I do like other books that Sharon has written, by the way. Um, I think we have like one degree of separation with Sharon. So Sharon, I do like your other books. <laughs> Best ever deal that you've done?
1: Probably the 16 unit I mentioned, that's going really well to have not understood the true rents are even higher than we anticipated. That's a good mistake or a good learning, I guess. But the home I purchased in Massachusetts was an estate sale we bought. And when we left, we walked away with a hundred and some thousand dollars in profit and we enjoyed the house. And when it was time to get rid of it, it ended up being a great deal
2: you rode the wave of appreciation just because well, that's what happened in the market or and, and-
1: we redid the whole house too. We put oh. about 50,000 into it because it was vacant for two years prior to that. Oh, you uh, earned and not, it. not redone since like 1972 when it was built. <laughs>
2: okay. Well you, you earned your profit. Yeah. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction that we haven't talked about already.
1: I think it goes back to a duplexes that I purchased. It was probably underestimating the cost of repairs, okay. the cost of some of the stuff that needed to be done. Like, windows, siding, things like that, that you have people in the, in that market that you know, and they say, yeah, yeah, I had my siding done for X. I had my siding done for Y. And you're like, okay, that gives me a good idea of what I'll pay. And then when you actually get a quote for yourself with that specific property, it's a lot more. So making sure you get specific quotes on the property that you're looking to rehab, I think is the biggest mistake I've made.
2: Best ever way you'd like to give back to the community.
1: My wife and I are big on donating to, we call it like the innocence. So children, animals, that sort of thing. I think that's from a charitable standpoint where we give back from a community standpoint within this multifamily group. I really do enjoy bringing high level guests to my meetups, high level guests to my webinars so that folks can interact with, learn from, and everything else from them, as well as giving my own time to a lot of folks that have questions about mistakes I've made, things I think, that sort of thing.
2: How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing?
1: I think the best place to go would be to our website, which is cfassetgroup.com, like charlesfrankassetgroup.com. On there, you can learn more about our company. There's also a link in the middle of the page to multifamily and more. If you click on that, you can then select any of the group's nationally that you might want to join so you can network locally. We'll also have a newsletter. You can fill in your email address and we'll send you information on what we're doing in the community when webinars are coming, that sort of thing. And all of my contact information is in there as well.
2: Jamie enjoyed our conversation. I talked a lot already relative to how much I usually talk during the interview about my thoughts on our conversation with your approach on networking and building relationships and having these meetups. But I'm also grateful that you got into the specifics of the 16 unit and the business plan weighs your expense management strategies as well as the income or the cost of labor and some of the assumptions that you'll update on the next go around with this 22 unit and future properties in particular handyman services and painter costs so thanks for being on the show getting into the specifics and also talking about how you found these properties hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon
1: Thank you so much. Same to you.
2: Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.